Welcome to the Audit Podcast, the number one podcast for the audit profession. Be sure to check the show notes for all of our social media channels and to sign up for the Audit Podcast newsletter. Now, here's your host, Trent Russell. This podcast is sponsored by Green Skies Analytics, where they do everything tech-related, but only for internal audit. Although compliance and risk management, y'all are cool too, so feel free to check it out also. To find out more, please visit greenskiesanalytics.com, but it's more likely that you're just going to Google it. So to find out more, please Google Green Skies Analytics. This podcast is also brought to you by AuditBoard, the leading cloud-based platform transforming how enterprises manage risk. AuditBoard's integrated suite of easy-to-use audit, risk, and compliance solutions streamlines internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with AuditBoard's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit AuditBoard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see AuditBoard's award-winning platform in action today. Today on the show, we have Alan Moran, who is the head of internal audit, and Rachel Nelson, who is the associate director of data analytics and automation at a Fortune 500 e-commerce organization. And the whole idea of this episode is to show what you can really do when you have data analytics and automation in your internal audit department. And so we talk about the impact of having a data team, the benefits, projects that have been worked on, and a lot more of what you can do when you really have analytics embedded in your internal audit department. Here we go. Alan, we talked, I think, maybe about a year and a half ago. I know it's been over a year. And at that point, you were still very much in launching analytics, growing the uh, the team, developing the team, growing the team, not just the data team, but analytics throughout kind of the internal audit function at some level. Um, so I'm curious now that you have um, a, a pretty well-established data team, what's been the biggest change for you since analytics has been established? Yeah, I think the biggest change is the speed that we're getting, uh, you know, the information and and the data to help us with planning, uh, sometimes just quick questions that we have that we would like to size it up, you know, risk or understand a little bit better the impact to the organization. Uh, data analytics team have been, you know, able to come up and then just, you know, quickly, you know, help us in terms of actually, you know, identified what with the, in, into the database perspective, where actually that information is, um, where, you know, how quickly uh, they can identify outliers sometimes, you know, in certain things. Um, and then just coming up with ideas in general, like, you know, just how we should correlate, you know, some of the facts and then looking at that uh, from different perspective. Um, and I think what the biggest change is how visual actually that we got since, uh, you know, uh, data analytics started, um, you know, data analytics started in terms of actually, okay, yes, it's good to cross data, but then when you start to see like, you know, uh, charts and graphs and, you know, and then, uh, then for law, you know, showing up into your screen and then you identify, you know, already pointing to things that you should be looking for, you know. Um, everything gets better, you know, you get, you know, quicker into making assessments and your risk assessment improves quite fast, you know, into that perspective. So 
I think that's kind of, uh, you know, a few of the highlights, you know, since uh, we've been using uh, data analytics a lot, a lot more, you know, yeah. And I think the visuals are, are always interesting. And I'm, I'm thinking, because you mentioned Benford specifically, when I try to explain Benford's, people are like, I, haven't, I, I don't get what you're talking about. Um, but when I pull up a graph and show them how it actually plots out, they're like, oh, okay, that makes a lot more sense. So, so I think that speaks to what you're talking about relative to the importance of those. Um, you mentioned the speed of getting the answers that you're looking for, or maybe even we could say the insights that you're looking for. And Rachel, I know that's been a big piece of, of what you've been doing. And it's something that I see really commonly across not just internal audit, but really practically every data team uh, on the planet is getting answers, insights quickly. How have you been able to do that? How have you been able to get answers quickly and get access to data quickly, which is a, another common issue we see? Uh, one thing that we do very strategically is get to know our data. Where is it? What's there? Work with the business um, to understand what nuances are within the data, what we should know about the data. Um, that way, when we are asked a question, we already know exactly where to go to. And we know what logic to put in there to get the results that we're looking for. And is that a, an audit initiative or is it an organization-wide initiative? You usually see those types of things where um, it's captured in a data dictionary or data catalog. Sometimes these, these terms are used interchangeably, but um, so was that built in or have you contributed to that? Uh, what, what's that process been like? I am happy to say that nice. we have a very thorough data catalog, which is reliable and just absolutely fantastic to work with. For those that don't know, or maybe for those that even think they know, what is a, a data catalog? Because I hear them used interchangeably, dictionary, catalog, there are differences, but what's the version of a data catalog? What are the benefits that, that you see from using those? What is it? So a data catalog is a place where you can go that has documentation on all of the data available. So you can go into this data log, we use a tool called Elation, and in this data catalog, I can type in a field or a system that I'm looking for, and it will tell me what database I can point to or what table to retrieve that data. It will tell me what the uh, most commonly used additional tables that are related to that table is. It will even provide me with a sample of 100 records from that table so I can instantly see if this is what I'm looking for or not. If someone doesn't have a data catalog, what would be a suggestion of yours to get something like that implemented? So the first thing you need to do when you do not have a data catalog is find out where your business intelligence team is. So these are the gatekeepers to all things data within your company. So you become really good friends with these people um, and they can help you first find and locate the data that you're looking for. And two, assist you with getting the proper access for that data. And then three, once you establish yourself and you gain um, the trust of the, of the business intelligence team, we can start having conversations on what would make the business more in data enabled. So how to create that data um, enablement for the entire organization. And this is where you start talking about data cataloging. And, and Best practice would be data catalogs are enterprise-wide type of initiative, but um, it's not totally uncommon to start those within a group like the audit group. And, and then from there, if nothing else, if you have that, you can feed it up to the enterprise-wide level if they take that initiative. Um, it, yeah, and it is, it is very important. Uh, Rachel, you mentioned 
the, the importance you called it being good friends with those people that kind of own that. And so, you know, obviously that's about relationship building, which I always try to harp on data is such a technical thing, but really the end result is these fantastic relationships. So um, Alan, I was curious from your side being leading the audit function there, have you seen, and, and especially if you have a, a good use case, that would be awesome. Um, where the use of the data team has increased um, a relationship or created a better, stronger relationship with, with your peers? Yeah, I think uh, when we think about internal controls, right, how we, we, we look at uh, the data right now, uh, one of the, the current, uh, I think, it, in the wins that we had was change management. Right? So when we're looking to uh, ITGCs and how in the past we use, use and kind of still is auditing uh, change management for the organization. Uh, now the data analytics team, Rachel, you know, she built into a uh, automated way of capture all the process, you know, how, um, you know, self audit perspective, continuous controls monitoring, which we see end to end every single ticket that is being created for change management and then the status of approvals and all the details. So looking back, once we saw, you know, all this data, all this information, um, and we took actually that information back to the change management team in IT, um, they were like, okay, this is amazing. This is actually very good information that I have on my hands right now that they, they didn't have before. So we create a visibility into a lot of ways, a lot of good things that actually that, um, you know, our relationship with them it probably improve into, you know, how they see us. Um, we told them, you know, the benefits actually having that information now, you know, instead of actually looking at simple selections and auditing things that we already know it's working, or we're giving them visibility into things that are actually not working, you know, the deficiencies or actually exceptions that are noted right, into the process. And then they can work on. So they're more efficient themselves, actually, into how to address actually issues that they have into their own into the own process. So just uh, you know, providing an, an idea, an example of a situation uh, that I can think of out of my head, you know, and um, how that actually improve our relationship between us, internal audit, and actually uh, management. Not only that, but also then we expand that to external auditors as well. Like so, then how the external auditors see the whole process, right? So then. What is the value of external auditors also pulling tickets, you know, to kind of check things that are already in place, you know, or actually in compliance. Um, so anyway, so just uh, those are the, the key aspects that we saw some victories and still kind of going through it. But actually, that was uh, some, of, some of the highlights. What we found is in doing 100% testing for SOX controls, where external audit relies on our testing, is there's, there's not clear, consistent guidance from not just uh, firms, but then individual, uh, we'll just say partners within firms on things like, Hey, there's, you know, 10,000 of these things. Uh, we'll just call it change, um, changes that move to production. And you found exceptions with this attribute, uh, 2000 of them had exceptions. So what, what, what's the process for, is that uh, a failure? Is that a significant deficiency? What's the expectation on identifying root cause analysis, you know, doing root cause analysis within those 2000? Um, do they have a threshold that says, look, test 100%, but if you go above a 5% failure level, then we have to um, fail the control. What, what's been the guidance you guys have received so far? 
Yeah, no, as you said, I think, you know, there's not a lot of uh, straight guidance into what is the threshold, I think, just yet. I think this is evolving to get to that point. You know, I think the audit firms are actually also looking to this perspective. So we did consult with them. We're trying to find, you know, what is the fine-tuned perspective? Luckily, we're not into that percentage, you know, perspective. Yeah. I would say we're into a healthy, you know, uh, exception base, I would say at this point, very low exception. So um, I think the main criteria is not only from the exception and then thresholds and things, but once you move into full population analysis, you basically automate in your whole control testing, right? And then your shift changes to quality of the data that you pull in, right? The code that you use to kind of uh, audit actually that to make sure it's proper. Um, who actually have access to that technically bought or actually that data analytics actually coming up with that information. Right? So your shift changes also not only from the uh, threshold perspective, population, you know, but assurance over the entire process, you know, so your mindset of how we look at things and how your external auditors are looking at things, those same things, it also needs to shift because they need to trust actually that pipeline or that control to say, this is flowing and I trust it. And then the outcome is actually the way that I want, you know, and, and here through exceptions, you know, where management should be investigating, you know, and should be closing those items, right? So um, it, it is a mindset shift, you know, um, and I think once we probably develop more of those type of situations and come across, you know, different uh, type of scenarios, you know, not only, you know, we specifically talk about this, you know, scenario, but, uh, when we talk about maybe other things, the threshold uh, aspect will start to play, right? And then, yes, we'll have to define, you know, what is, you know, uh, threshold. But I think there, you know, once you automate something, it opens the door to what is the problem? What is the root cause, right? Mm -hmm. So sometimes fixing the root cause will eliminate, you know, this 2000 exposures that you have, right? So it's just a little thing that sometimes, you know, you can probably do and help, you know, and fix it, you know, and, and then we'll eliminate all the deficiencies that you see, yeah. right? Um, another way it could be then, yes, it could be 2000 deficiencies and actually a serious endemic problem, you know, that we should have been identified probably earlier, you know, but I'm glad you're finding it, but probably at that point, you bring in that attention to management so they can actually, you know, properly treat it. And then you then start automating and carrying it forward. Right. So anyway, so just, uh, just a couple of thoughts on that. Okay. And then an additional question to that is the expectation now that external audit is going to, well, we'll just stick with this change management one. External audit's going to come in and do an audit of what Rachel's developed in terms of the automation, in terms of even change control around the code that is now testing the change control um, for the organization. Is that is that where they're going to focus specifically in like this type of scenario? Yeah, it looks like it. Um, I think, Trent, you know, in the future, right, what we're envisioning is even internal audit actually will play that role too, right? So the more bots, the more continuous controls monitor the company deploys, right? So this control, to be honest with you, should reside actually with the first line, you know, and we're, that's what we're pushing for. So management should carry that activity, that control, and then they should know more than internal audit how many actual transactions are not, you know, in line with their expectations. I mean, in, at the end of the day, those are their controls anyway. So, so I think what the goal is to push all those controls to, to leadership, you know, to, to management. They maintain and execute those controls. We audit to, this, to the aspect that you just brought up, you know, to that criteria, like, 
the, the code change? Is this complete? Is this accurate, right? Um, change management perspective, user access to the code and everything. So I think, honestly, the profession is probably moving towards actually those type of uh, audits um, instead of actually let's sample and see what we find, yeah. you know? I think, again, um, and, and it becomes a little bit more like a code auditing and validation of uh, IT um, aspects than actually anything else, yeah. Yeah, there was a, a CIO a couple of years ago that his, he said, his, in his opinion, in I forget how many years, maybe 10, um, in 10 years, all audit is going to do is be basically glorified code reviewers because he's like, everything's going to be digitized. And so that's all we're, you know, that's all you're going to be doing. Um, I disagree, um, if nothing else, because the entire world isn't going to be digitized in 10 years to where that makes sense. But uh, I think I kind of get the point he was making. Uh, Rachel, I was curious within this, like we'll use this project, this change management project as an example, like change management, typically it can be hard to test 100% of that because the data just isn't there. A lot of times those tickets are maybe like in a PDF or difficult to pull out. Even if you use a bot and OCR it and pull that data in, uh, can give you issues. How did, how did you all decide this is the one we're going to do? And really what I'm kind of getting at is what is your process for picking a project? Like, how do we know the next thing that we're going to work on? So we look at two different aspects. We're going to look at feasibility. So for example, this project, we knew all the data existed in one system that was structured. Nice. Right. So beautiful. You cannot ask for more. And then the other one is value. So what is the value we can get from this project? So we look at those two criteria. And then from those two criteria is how we um, evaluate what projects we want to put within our funnel for automation. And when you measure value, do you look at it quantitatively or qualitatively, or is it just- Both. Okay. What, what Any level of insight you could give on what that process looks like? So it could be um, hours saved. So how long does this process take for someone to do manually? Um, it could be- uh, enhanced insight. Mm -hmm. So enhanced insight where we just, we know more and enhanced coverage where we're testing the entire population. Hey everyone. Thank you for continuing to listen to the show. We want to say thank you again to our sponsors over at audit board, the leading cloud-based platform, transforming how enterprises manage risk audit boards, integrated suite of easy to use audit risk and compliance solutions, streamlines, internal audit, SOX compliance, risk management, and security compliance. Automate processes and improve execution with Audit Board's purpose-built solution, which is designed to address the most pressing challenges of today's practitioners. Experience the latest in audit, risk, and compliance technology. Visit auditboard.com to schedule your product walkthrough to see Audit Board's award-winning platform in action today. Alan, you mentioned visuals earlier, and I know you very, very, very recently uh, just wrapped up an audit committee meeting. Has there been, and I know the, the program is still relatively new, has there been any changes in how um, reporting is done to the audit committee or to the board as a result of the, the new data analytics capabilities? On the way, let's put Trent, you know, definitely uh, we're solidifying mature and actually our, you know, models to display to the audit committee. Um, we'll like them to start to see some of the results, actually, you know, the visuals that we see, right? And then uh, giving that assurance to them, you know, that actually, uh, uh, the aspects that we're considering it, you know, makes sense, you know, the, you know, and then it brings a lot of, uh, you know, just, you know, you find things and educate them. I think it's actually very, you know, interesting. So they can start to, 
also think like, you know, and then observe the data the way that we also, you know, from an internal audit perspective see. Um, so, so it's in parts, you know, we've been introducing some, you know, visual aspects of it, uh, more from the uh, uh, completion of audits, you know, more like a, what we have done from a KPI perspective of internal audit. Um, and, and this is the first quarter that we put some of actually the pictures in terms of actually, you know, what have we developed actually from the analytics? So using Rachel's, um, you know, recent developments and see, if, you know, recent uh, audits that we completed, uh, we put like a, just the highlights, you know, here's, you know, a graph, you know, of uh, things that we have seen you know, on a dashboard, you know, of uh, what the internal audit team actually was able to have access to because of, uh, you know, the data analytics perspective. So, um, it's, it's easy in, in into, you know, the audit committee. So they will have more and more insights and seeing more, you know, um, but that's definitely in my, in our mind, you know, in my mind and I've been asking Rachel to also participate into some of that, you know, and then she's been delivering all that. So it's been amazing. Yeah. And one reason I ask, I know folks that we work with, like, Hey, we have analytics established now. It's great and wonderful. And then I'll go look at the audit committee report. And I'm like, you didn't even mention the word analytics. You got to take credit for what you're doing. Otherwise, it doesn't seem like you're doing anything. Um, and a lot of that can depend on the relationship that you have with the audit committee, um, or at least maybe the chair. I know some folks that talk to theirs, you know, every couple of weeks type of thing. So they, they know that. But I think it's important that we definitely take credit for these types of especially innovative type things that we're doing. Rachel, you mentioned, and I think Alan, you did too, the use of bots. What kind of what have you built relative to using bots? And, and for those that don't know, uh, bots, you're going to hear it used interchangeably as RPA. Um, so you probably heard RPA more so than bots, but uh, we'll, we'll say bots. Uh, so are we talking ever? Ever. <laughs> ever. So I have built a bot that went in and did the sample testing for t &E. So it went into the teeny systems. It took all the screenshots. It's, it gathered all the receipts. It put it all together inside one file for the auditor to then review um, instead of having the auditor test the samples. So I thought that was a pretty neat bot. Yeah. And how much uh, roughly, I don't know if you can, I don't know if you remember, but do you know how much time that saved on a, what, monthly, quarterly basis? That's a fantastic question. I want to say it was around... 30 to 35 hours. Nice. Yeah. And what's the, for, for those that maybe just heard that and go, all right, we're getting bots. Um, what's some of the things they should look out for when they implement a bot or multiple bots? You only get value out of a bot based on how many times you're using that bot. So bots are only valuable on processes that are repeatable. And we're talking about repeatable. We want more than 25 samples. Mm -hmm. um, I've seen bots do pull a thousand, for example, a thousand or 10,000. I once had an analyst who was running a bot overnight um, and she had pulled 10,000 invoices to put them inside a folder, which before building that bot, that process was actually done by a human, by a financial analyst. <laughs> that was his job. He had to pull all of this data out of our tax system and put it into a folder. Um, but building that bot and running that bot produced so much value. However, bots, you can easily not get the value by choosing the wrong process. Remember, these processes have to be repeatable and very simple. Mm -hmm. 
the kind that I could teach a three-year-old to do right, on the computer. So not ones that require true human um, intervention. Yeah, that's a good point. And I think a good way to measure it is literally, could you teach a 12 year old to do this job? Yes. All right, cool. And do you have to do it 25 plus times or, you know, whatever it is? Yes. All right, cool. This is a good candidate for automation. I, I haven't thought about the, uh, I'll, I'm just saying a 12 year old, the, uh, the 12, year way, 12 year old way of thinking about it, but I'm about to update our guidelines to say, you need to ask the question, can a 12 year old execute this task? If yes, I don't know. 12 year olds are pretty smart. I'd say down to three year olds, (laughs) (laughs) maybe five (laughs) for RPA. um, It's so important to always mention that these bots are not meant to replace or nor could they ever replace humans. Mm -hmm. They are really taking those mind numbingly just awful tasks off of our plates so that we can use our human brains and do value added things. Yeah. Let's automate all the stuff that can be done by a three-year-old so that we can apply our judgment and actually do like the value add stuff we're actually supposed to do. And I think that's important. I'm glad you said that, Rachel, because I feel like there are a lot of folks or um, a group of folks anyway, that would say bots are bad. That's automation. We're not going to have jobs anymore. AI is bad. We're not going to have jobs anymore. It's going to do our job. Um, and from everyone I talk to, it's more about, no, let's stop doing this mundane thing that we're spending, Rachel, like you said, 35 hours doing, and we'll automate that. And then you can actually go make a difference somewhere else and like bring your judgment, maybe even go in and go, Hey, we built this bot over here for this thing. Let's see where else we can even build bot to someone that then has experience and knows the benefit and the value of it. I'm curious, Alan, what's next relative to, we can keep it at analytics, but maybe even broader techno- technologically, what's kind of next on the roadmap for you all? I think it is still uh, a lot of automation, Trent. You know, I think it's still a lot of um, um, support to audits in terms of actually you know how do we risk assess audits, how we execute audits. Um, and how we think about, you know, the integrated off data analytics, every single audits that we do, right? I think next strategically uh, requirement is to the entire team to learn more about data analytics, right? So not only concentrating to Rachel's expertise and her team, you know, but actually expand that, the capabilities that the team can actually look at from the, from that standpoint. So. Um, a lot of, uh, you know, investment into uh, education for sure, you know, to the team in terms of actually possibilities, you know, if, uh, uh, if, I, if I'm going to do this type of audit, you know, what, what are my thoughts into the data I need, um, the type of analytics that I can run. Um, so it was truly never a thought of, uh, you know, of auditors, they're thinking about, okay, I have those work step. I'm going to go in, pull in, you know, some population, just randomly select, you know, a few, go pull some paper, you know, and then see if I can find something, right? Now we're changing that mindset completely into like, no, it's not how it works. No, you should be thinking about all that and then how the data can cross and can point it to potential exceptions already. That things actually matter and save so much time because, Instead of actually looking for things that we don't know if you're going to find something, you're already looking for things that are meaningful and then probably actually have 
to be investigated and should be, you know, we're talking about brain power, you know, uh, using that type of uh, understanding to bring more value to things. I think that's how, you know, the next steps of a degeneration of uh, um, driving that perspective into every single audit per se. Uh, and then once you come into management and say, I found three exceptions or 300 exceptions, right? It's all substantiated. And then actually there's a reason why, you know, and then you can just basically, you know, you, you blow them off the water, to be honest with you, because one, probably, you know, a lot, you know, about the environment, you walk in, even in planning meetings, you know, I know you have this much in expenses. I know you, this, this much is in this type of expense or the situation. So you have so much intelligence, so much information. Uh, it's just not a, I don't know what I'm looking for, but like, here's some ideas. You already know what you're looking for. And actually already with uh, some conclusions, you know, and they, you know, I think my perception is uh, when management sees that, it's like, while well, you do really invest time and then you really care about, you know, my department, my, you know, what are you looking at? You know, so I think that is a, you know, amazing transition to um, what we're making to, and that's we'll keep pushing. And want to say what is next? I think that's what is next. You know, make sure like this is deployed across the whole department, the company. You know, where we can go, um, and also then helping management to also see that way. Right. So again, I mentioned that you know the change management perspective. People probably didn't think that it could probably be possible to do that. Actually, that analysis across all change management. Now they do know, right? That's possible. Now we went into procurement and then like, okay, so can we uh, expand some of the things that we did in procurement, you know, ourselves and give those to the procurement people say, you know, the, the team and looking at, okay, I know, you know, that I have this data available. This is all, you know, in my hands. Can I look at this? Can So giving them also the opportunity to um, use the analytics themselves, you know, or either like carry what we built or build them on things, but open that, you know, the door for more people in the organization, you know, to understand uh, the possibilities we have. Nice. Um, yeah. So, so internal audit is um, basically preaching the good word of data and analytics that, and because we have exposure to everyone or we can have exposure to everyone in the organization, like, I think we're probably suited to be some of the best ambassadors for that, especially if we can go, Hey, look, we tested this control. This is how we did it. This is the end result. We could turn it into a continuous monitoring thing for you and hand it over to you. And they're like, I don't even know you could do that. Um, so I think that's great. I think that's a great kind of byproduct of, of using data, uh, within internal audit. The other thing I really liked what you were talking about was when you mentioned doing analytics, even, uh, as part of planning, but like almost before a kickoff so that when you go into that kickoff, meeting, kickoff call, whatever it is, you can go, Hey, look, did you know you had this, 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 this thing? Like, were you aware of that, et cetera. Um, and that's a really good relationship builder, especially because it looks management goes, Oh, they, I think they actually care about what's going on. Like, did you see all the questions they had as opposed to kickoff meetings where, Hey, we're in internal audit. This is how it works. This is why we're here. This is how risk assessment works. All that kind of stuff. Um, so I thought that was excellent, excellent points throughout. Uh, Rachel, I'm curious, not necessarily what's next, uh, the question I asked Alan, but if you could do anything that you wanted to, any project, because we're, we are limited to a degree, it's got to be about risk and maybe fit within the audit plan and all that kind of good stuff. But is there anything you're just like, I just want to do this? Is there anything that it, it doesn't have to fall outside of that guidance, but what, what is something that you would like to work on that might not be the highest priority item? 
I am excited for the opportunity to get to work on some fraud deterrence or fraud analytics. So identifying fraud in multiple ways to the company from various avenues. Um, it is a very exciting project because of the amount of data you get to work with, mm -hmm. as well as the various scenarios that you get to look for. Nice. Yeah. Frauds. When I ask that question, it's always a fraud. <laughs> it's always fraud. Whoever the analyst is, um, it's always, we want to go find fraud. And usually it's, I think P card's a great, a great place to start. If you want to do that, there's a lot of good stuff in there. Um, and I think we might've talked about it last time. Like there's always a Disney trip in the P card data that you can at least go, how are you going to Disney for? So Alan, thanks for coming on the show. Is there anything else that you would like to leave the audience with? Well, I think it's just uh, be be curious out there. Uh, I think the profession is changing. I think um, it's evolving to be data driven and and should be, you know, in my perspective. I think the more we uh, educate uh, auditors out there, you know, the potential for data analytics, um, this will drive actually the you know the internal audit value in your organization into the industry and everywhere forward that's actually something that i strongly believe and i seeing the value of all this so i i think you know if to leave a message to any chief audit executives out there or people just in general like you know auditors that are looking for something do explore data analytics try to understand how that correlates with your um if your programs you know and then with the, you know and then find the lies in the company you know where where that you actually can take to the next level uh, try to think about your audits that you have in your program, you know, and then how can you insert data analytics into them? Sometimes it starts simple, you know, don't go like, uh, you know, super sophisticated, but do think about it, you know, try to introduce, try to force them to be, you know, happening. Um, maybe be a leader, you know, if your team cannot actually come up with ideas, be the leader, think about how can you actually push for, you know, that to happen. So, I think that's something I'd like to leave because it is um, a groundbreaking perspective into pre and post data analytics, you know, and um, I support completely that. Perfect. And Rachel, you audit analytics rock star. We'll let you have the last word and close this out. Oh, I'd like to thank my amazing data analyst team who I appreciate every single day, Enrique and Shay. They're absolute rock stars and they provide me with just surprises day after day with their um, ability to grow and find the meatiest things inside our different data sets that we get to work with. And then also I would say, don't get intimidated by not knowing everything. Start with a vision and work backwards. Hey everyone, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Audit Podcast. Whatever platform you're listening on right now, I'm sure there's a subscribe button somewhere, so please hit the subscribe button there. If you're listening through iTunes or Spotify, feel free to go give us that five-star rating. It only took me about 16 seconds to give myself a five-star review, and it really helps to get future guests to come on the show, so we'd really appreciate that. Lastly, be sure to check out the show notes and follow us on all our social media channels on Instagram, on LinkedIn, and on TikTok. Also, if interested, please sign up for our weekly newsletter from the Audit Podcast. Thank you all. Have a great one.